This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So International Week is here and almost gone. It's time to look forward to the league again as championship clubs up and down the country get ready to go into a mad, mad pre-Christmas session. At Besotted, we often like to have a look around and see what is happening around us. We try not to be myopic, but we take a broad view of activity in and around the Football League. So we thought this was as good a time as any to see how the championship is shaping up. And here to give us his view on the season so far is Ryan Diltz from the Second Tier Podcast. It's a podcast which focuses on what many people call, including myself, the best league in the world, the championship. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. Do you feel relaxed after having that week off or do you get quite frantic the fact that there's no championship football for, for a couple of weeks? It was quite weird because I was sat there on Sunday thinking, oh, I should be doing something right now. But instead, I was just sat around watching Netflix. So it was, it was nice to have a little break for uh, one weekend at least before we get into this Christmas period, which, as you mentioned, is going to be absolute chaos. It is going to be absolute chaos. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, actually, because like I said to you, the, the games, everyone, everyone's talking about this, the fact that all the games are merging all into one. I mean, I'm a massive England fan. I love seeing England. I mean, I had the tickets to go to Iceland booked for, for September. I had my, you know, I was going to pencil to go to, to, to Belgium for the game this weekend as well. And I have to admit, <laughs> I completely forgot the Ireland game was on. I was watching the Scotland game until somebody tweeted something or messaged me. And I thought, oh, my God. The Ireland game's on and then the, the Belgian game was on the other day and I just God, just didn't quite get the motivation. And I just don't know if this football and TV thing is just actually killing it for us. What do you think? There is a, there is a lot of football at the moment, isn't there? It is pretty non-stop. I don't understand why there's three games in the international breaks at the moment. We go on about players being knackered all the time. So we add another game to the international break. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if you're an England fan like yourself, then I'm sure... It's great to watch, but I, I don't particularly get it. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit frustrating. But listen, just coming back to the real deal, because like I said to you at the weekend, Saturday we're back again with the Championship. Now, at the start of the season, well, every season, second tier podcast, you always predict, you know, you've got, you know, you do your predictions for the whole season, exactly what team is going to come in what position. And uh, you predicted your top six teams of the season on the second tier po- podcast. Now, now, who are your predictions this season and, and why? So we went with Brentford top 
and Cardiff seconds. The thinking behind Brentford was that surely this would be the time that they finally get to the Premier League after uh, coming close last season and looking like they should have been doing a lot better in the seasons prior. So we thought that would be the case this season. Cardiff, I'm sure we'll get onto it a bit later on, uh, we thought they'd build upon what they uh, managed to do with Neil Harris last season. Not really gone to plan yet, but uh, I digress. Stoke, Millwall, Forest and Norwich were the final teams we had in the top six um, Stoke Millwall done all right so far this season again similar to Cardiff we thought they'd build upon what they did last season Forest, ugh, not really gone <laughs> to plan that one either uh, but <laughs> now that they've got Chris Hewton I think they could make a serious charge for the playoffs uh, in the second half of the season and then Norwich we were a bit torn upon really I wasn't too sure about them but the fact that they've managed to keep hold of the likes of Emi Brendia, Timu Puki is always going to be quite handy isn't it so they they were the top six t- sides that we went for I mean I th- I'm not sure if you guys said it but most people say every year they come out and they say oh the championship oh it's, it's not as strong as it was last season like literally every season and like I said we came in the championship in 2020 20, well 2014 in effect and that season we got to the playoff finals or playoff semi-final great season as well it was we had great fun and there were some great teams in that um in that in that season you know uh, Muff Bournemouth they won the league we had Watford you know who did really well they got automatic promotion as well and we had Borough who beat us in the semi-final lost to Norwich in the final who also is a great team as well you know Cameron Jerome in there banging in the goals and I, you know for me I was thinking what a great league this is a really strong league and I thought after that a couple of seasons after that it probably wasn't as strong but surely you can't have every single season being not as strong as it was before. I disagree with that statement. I, I think my co-host on the second tier, Justin, he thinks that the league is getting weaker, but I don't think it is. I think it's just getting more open. I think the quality at the top is just getting more and more even, which means you aren't getting teams who are just running away with it every year. So I, I think that's a good thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Because you, you have, with with the amount of talent in the Premier League now, you're seeing quality players having to trickle down and make the step down to the championship so they can really show off their talent. I look at someone like Josh De Silva, for example, wasn't getting a look in at Arsenal. So has had to go down to, no disrespect, a lesser club in Brentford to really showcase what he's about. And I think that's the case for quite a few players, particularly English players who are often, you know, moved out of these top Premier League sides by the influx of foreign players. So I think the league is constantly getting better. I think in terms of the quality that's on show, it's constantly getting better. Um, So yeah, I completely disagree that the league is getting weaker personally. And it's interesting you say that as well. I mean, I'm just looking back at that 2014-2015. Bournemouth actually came top with 90 points and Ipswich were the last promotion or the playoff spot with 78 points as well, equal with Wolverhampton Wanderers who just missed out as well. Then if you start looking at, you know, other teams like Burnley the following season were 93, Newcastle, you know, 94. And everyone thought Newcastle were absolutely brilliant that season. They got 94, but it was tighter with Fulham in the last playoff spot with 80 points as well. And then you had Wolverhampton Wanderers who were, you know, the fantastic team that season with 99 points but then after Derby County which you know about as well they sort of snuck into the playoffs with 75 so 
it just goes to show you, I think, that sometimes we get this warped vision of kind of what is good and what is bad, what is strong and what isn't strong. I mean, last season, Leeds United on 93, but they were kind of way ahead of us in third place on 81. But then afterwards, we were kind of sort of way ahead of Swansea, who were in sixth place on 70 points as well. You know, um, the irony of that is also, obviously, we, we didn't get promoted and we got 81 points. And then you had or kind of teams like Aston Villa a couple of seasons beforehand getting promoted and they got um what's it they got sort of 76 points i think oh yeah 76 points it was aston villa got promoted on on the playoffs so i mean and listen i know the playoffs are there and we know what it's all about but again when you sort of kind of see these things and the frustrations you realize that actually um when it comes down to it when it comes down to the cup finals at the end it isn't necessarily about the golf of the teams about how you play on the day yeah, spot on. Uh, the thing is with Villa as well, they were terrible for, what, two-thirds of that season? And it was only off the back of an unbelievable run of form that they got into the playoffs and finished as strongly as they did. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying, that I think the league is getting more and more even. Um, it's not very often that you have a side like a Newcastle or a Wolves now from a couple of seasons ago, who run away with the league. Even though you look at that Wolves team and the talent they had, they should have run away with it anyway, shouldn't they? Um, So when you look at the teams now, such as Watford, Norwich, Bournemouth, for example, some of the players they've got are really Premier League players, aren't they? But they've come down and haven't exactly torn the league apart so far. So... The Championship's a tough old league. It's a very tough league to get out of, and I think it's only getting tougher. That's right. So, look, I mean, talking about Brentford, obviously, this season we've done our usual starting fairly slowly. The engines are kind of purring, but we haven't even put it into second gear as yet. Now, this season, as opposed to last season when we started slowly, we've got an additional problem because we're hampered by injuries to key players, including Christian Norgard and Pontus Janssen. We also had you know, Jensen was injured. We've had quite a few players that have come in and out and have been injured this season. Now, um, do you think these injuries have affected how Brentford are progressing this season? I think so to a degree. I think it's been one of the main factors behind Brentford's stop starty start um Jansen in particular we saw how brilliant he was last season and how important he was because when he was injured that was when Brentford really went off the tracks around spring or late winter time wasn't it um so I don't think that's helped I think losing Ben Rahm is obviously not ideal because Canos has had to come in and I'll be honest it sounds harsh but I've never really been particularly convinced by Sergi Canos at, at certainly at the top of the championship level um so hopefully Godos can come in and replace him at some point and really show the quality that many Brentford fans are hoping. I think one of the big issues has been putting away chances, which is weird to say when you've got someone like Ivan Tony who is as clinical as he is, and we've seen so far, joint top scorer, or at least near the top anyway, with Adam Armstrong. Um, he's putting away chances for fun, but I think the rest of the side isn't contributing to goals as much. I'm looking at the midfielders like De Silva, Mark Hondes, those kind of players, and Canos, who I just mentioned. I don't think they're contributing to the goals as much. And that's echoed in the expected goals, where Brentford are miles ahead of most of the other teams uh, in the championship. 
But at the end of the day, expected goals only really matters if you're putting away your chances. That's right. I mean, do you also think strength of depth is a weakness for the Bees? I mean, obviously, you know, we haven't got as big a squad as other people. We made, you know, a decision maybe for particular reasons or maybe the fact that we actually got these big injuries that we weren't going to go for a huge squad, a wealth squad of trying to have that that difficulty of who are we going to play today? You know, the the forest um, problems and the the problems that these other teams have where, you know, when you say their, 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 their head coach doesn't actually know his first 11. But all of a sudden, we've got these injuries and it seems to have really really impacted us do you think that's a that's a problem especially with also you know with the we've only got the the three substitute rule as well so we haven't got the five substitute rule so basically we kind of we're trying to rotate a very thin number of players I don't think Brentford's depth is as bad as it's possibly made out to be when you look at someone like Force for example coming off the bench and scoring as many goals as he has done. Uh, replacing Ivan Tony doesn't look to be an issue, does it? And then when you look in the midfield areas, someone like Baptiste, for example, hasn't had a look in this season. Um, forward areas, Godos, as we mentioned, you've got Canos back now as well. So And uh, Fosu as well, actually. There, there's plenty of options Brentford have going forward. I think maybe in defence, it's a bit of an issue with uh, Sorensen having to play uh, recently, who's a bit of an unknown, um, who's a bit of an unknown at the moment in the championship, isn't he? And uh, Charlie Gores hasn't looked too convincing so far either. So defensively, I'd say maybe depth is a bit of an issue. But I do take your point, there are teams who have a lot more depth in the championship, like the likes of Forest, Blackburn are someone who look like they've got quite a bit of depth now. But I don't think Brentford fans can maybe use that as much of an excuse as they could have last season. Talking about the league as well, you predicted what teams were going to be at the bottom of the league. What were your predictions there? We had pretty much the same as everyone else, actually. We had Wednesday, Wickham and Rotherham. And also, what, who else was going to be flirting around them? Uh, off the top of my head, I think we had Reading. That's not gone particularly well. <laughs> um, we also had Coventry down there, Birmingham. And apart from Reading, I don't think we're actually too far off, really, are we? I think... When you, I think I'd be very surprised if Wickham stay up. Rotherham don't look like they're proven us wrong too much either. And then I'd probably say Coventry would be the other contenders to go down, assuming that Tony Pulis does turn things around at Wednesday, which, considering his record, you'd imagine he probably will do. So I think we could see all three of the promoted sides go straight back down, which might be down to... Um, the lack of preparation they've had for the new season, I don't know. Um, but I think the main other contender to challenge them would be Birmingham, who under Ita Karanka look very solid defensively going forwards. They've got a few problems, though, because Scott Hogan's not scoring. Uh, Jukovic hasn't been as productive as he usually is. They've got a few problems going forward and creating chances hasn't been great for them either. So at the moment, I'd say Rotherham and Wickham look pretty much the most likely to go down the other one is a bit up in the air at the moment but I'd probably say Coventry it's interesting I mean you're talking about the teams that you predicted as well and obviously there's a little bit of big beef a bit of ding dong between yourself and the Reading fans who you put them right down there in the relegation zone and you in effect that's you know you looked at Reading's record of the past few seasons and said I don't see any difference in them and now and uh, you predicted them to go down and they're doing remarkably better than you thought, but you still aren't convinced, are you? No. So the reason we had them to finish so low 
in the table just outside the relegation zone, if I could correct you, um, was because they uh, got rid of their manager, Mark Bowen, in the summer and replaced him with Velko Paunovic, who doesn't have a particularly sparkling record. He, his last club was over in the MLS and even then it wasn't that good. Um, but he's come in and admittedly got the results on the board, did a sterling job, but in terms of the actual performances, they weren't actually doing that well. They were winning games by having just a couple of shots on target and over the course of the season, you can't keep winning games by just having two shots on target every game. So... I was sceptical about whether they'd be able to continue. And then I saw cracks in their defence. Defensively, in their first few games, they were very solid. But they started conceding a few more chances. And then that's started to really show itself recently. And it's been reflected in the fact that they've lost the last three now. I think they'll continue to slide down the table. I haven't seen anything that's going to say differently over the next few weeks. And they've got some tricky games across November. So I, I'd tell the besotted listeners to keep expecting uh, Reading to carry on sliding down uh, down the table even though they are top at the moment continue uh, not picking up results is probably how I should say it and go on to drop out the playoffs for me personally I mean looking at your predictions there are a few other teams that sort of kind of surprised you so far I mean I know we're only a quarter way into the season but it's still a good barometer what other teams out there have surprised you and why? Uh, Middlesbrough would be one who have really surprised me so far I think Middlesbrough, and I'm going to say it quietly, Billy, I think Middlesbrough could be a surprise promotion contender this season just for the fact they've got Neil Warnock in charge. Defensively, they have been so good. It's a typical Neil Warnock team in the way that defensively, they're very hard to break down. They've only conceded one goal from open play this season. Uh, Going forwards, they're not as threatening. They're creating plenty of chances. It's just not being put in the back of the net, which is quite surprising when you've got someone like Britta Sambalonga in your side. Uh, But nonetheless, they have been probably the biggest surprise for me. Luton. I've been a lot better than I was expecting. Uh, Nathan Jones is working wonders on what is a pretty threadbare budget. Um, not many big names, well, no big play- names in that squad, really. And he's doing great things with the players that he's got at his disposal. So they're the two teams who have really stood out for me. Swansea are another one. Uh, we thought they'd probably be challenging for the playoffs this season. But look like they could potentially go a step further and maybe challenge for the automatic promotion places. But that's the championship. It's so unpredictable. And what about Blackburn? Because I mean, Blackburn's had a decent start to the season as well. And, you know, you've got Armstrong banging in the goals, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Blackburn are looking good in terms of the expected goal side of things. But it's not been as good in terms of the results. I think the expected goals has maybe been blown up a bit by the fact that Early on the season, they were smashing teams like Wickham, for example, Derby. They tore both those sides apart. Um, And then in recent times, it's not been as good. Adam Armstrong has been on fire, as you say. Um, But the rest of the side, they've been scoring goals, but defensively, they've been a bit lacklustre. Darren Lanahan, who's a very good championship defender, hasn't been performing as good as we perhaps expected but at the same time they've had a lot of injuries as well this past week just before the international break they had 11 players missing and that includes the likes of Bradley Dack who we know is very good at championship level Uh, Lewis Travis is another young lad who's particularly good Um, so I I think they will get better I think once they sort out their defence they'll start to see the results turn for them and I reckon they can challenge for the playoffs this season. 
And there's some teams, obviously, that have not done as good as you've expected this season. Probably a little bit disappointing, you would say. Which ones are they? I think the obvious one's Derby, isn't it? Bottom of the table, their worst start to a season since that Premier League season. It's been a disastrous start for Derby under Philip Koku, and that's resulted in him being given the sack. So who comes in now? Um, we'll have to wait and see. I think that could be the big turning point for them. I, I don't think they'll go down for me personally. I think they're too strong to be um, in the relegation zone come the end of the season. Uh, so they've been the biggest dis- disappointment. Forrester, the other one, I wasn't as sure as that they'll have a good start uh, because they did keep on Sabli Mushi. And, that, and he was in charge when everything went wrong for them towards the end of last season. And that carried on into this season. So Chris Hewton's got a job turning on that around, but I reckon he can do it because he's another one at this level who has such a good uh, such a good record in the championship. I suppose the other team who probably aren't, whose bad start hasn't been under the radar, hasn't been under the microscope, sorry, as much as those two sides would probably be Cardiff who many people were tipping to be in the playoffs. As I said earlier, I thought they could potentially go up automatically this season. But they've had a bit of an unimpressive start under Neil Harris, actually. I think defensively and going forwards, they've not... They've flattered to deceive, really. Um, Kiefer Moore has done all right since signing, uh, but the rest of the side really aren't helping him out too much with their service. They're not scoring many goals either. And what's usually a very solid defensive line hasn't been as solid so Cardiff for another side I think have been a bit disappointing so far but all three of the sides I've mentioned I think will go a lot better over the next few months it's interesting I mean and you've got teams like I mean Watford you know I mean, if you look at the sides that came down I mean a lot of people if you go to the pundits they always say listen the teams that are going to go straight back up again look at those times they're too strong Watford Norwich City and Bournemouth but would you say that you know They've had a sort of, uh, compared to what they've got and the arms that they've got, they've actually had a quite a disappointing start to the season. And also looking at where people are, are kind of predicted them to be. I mean, you know, technically those sides should be going straight up, but it's, it's, it's not a given, is it? No, we've seen loads of times over the past few seasons, haven't we, that if you've got a strong side, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bounce straight back. But considering the players that Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich have at their disposal, you'd have thought they should be able to challenge for automatic promotion this season. I I wouldn't say they've been disappointing. I'd just say they've been very steady, haven't they? I don't think any of them have really got into first gear yet. That could very well change because now that the transfer window's closed and Watford have managed to hold on to the likes of Saar, Bournemouth have managed to keep on to keep hold of Brooks and Norwich with uh, Brendia. These are very good players at championship level, Billy. Very good players. So I think that once they get going, they could be quite hard to stop and it's going to take a very well-organised and... Uh, special sides who were in the championship last season to really stop them. As we know, um, the mathematicians don't always get it right when it comes to their stats. But last season, to be fair, they had Leeds first, West Brom second and Brentford third for pretty much most of the season based on XG, based on all the statistical data that they brought in. And uh, they were pretty much spot on as well. Now this season, although Brentford, as you said, are currently top of the XG table and they're followed by Norwich then Blackburn then Muff Bournemouth as well then Swansea and then Borough 
The predicted table actually is looking quite different with, you know, Watford at the top, then Bournemouth, then Norwich, then Brentford, then Swansea Stoke, and then Millwall just, just missing out, Middlewall and, and Borough just missing out. I'm just wondering, that's quite interesting because that's quite a big change because normally Brentford are kind of down at the bottom or, or, or lower down on the XG, but we actually kind of end up doing better. But this time we're actually right at the top there and they don't actually expect us to do as well. Does that mean that we're kind of, we are as a team are not performing as well? And also that, that change, the fact that, you know, you've got these teams like Norwich, Blackburn, Bournemouth at the top, but you've got these teams like, you know, um, Watford kind of expected to finish up there. Basically, are they, are they saying that these teams are getting better and we're getting worse? It's hard to say, really. Brentford have always had a, a a very frustrating feature, as I'm sure many Brentford fans will know, that you don't necessarily know which Brentford side's going to turn up for the next game because there have been plenty of occasions, haven't there, where you expect Brentford to turn over the side they're playing this weekend, but they just don't do it. And they get left frustrated by not putting away their chances or a side sitting back and then not being able to break them down. Um, I, from what I've seen of the data, the likes of Watford, Bournemouth are getting better. Um, Norwich, it's quite hard to say at the moment. I think they've got a few problems defensively that might be their undoing this season. Um, but the other side, so you mentioned um, Blackburn, Swansea, those kind of sides have looked very good in terms of the XG. But I think Middlesbrough are the kind of side who can defy the XG just because they are so well organised and sometimes if a side is very well organised defensively that can really be the undoing of the teams they're facing and it only takes a couple of decent chances for them to um, really grab the result by the horns don't it doesn't it so I think Middlesbrough might be that's one of the reasons why I think Middlesbrough could surprise a few people this season and really go a step further than a lot of the statistical people are expecting. So listen, you've had an insight on the season. Have you changed your thoughts and your predictions as to what is going to happen? I mean, how do you see it panning out? I mean, who's going to win? Who's going to be second? Who's going to be in the playoffs? What's your thoughts? It's so hard to say. I think from the first 11 games that we've seen so far this season, Billy, it's probably the most open championship season we've had in a while. I'd say the four sides who you mentioned before, the three relegated ones at Brentford, are probably the ones who I keep jostling around with in my head, who I think will be in the automatic promotion places come the end of the season. I'm still confident Brentford can do it this season. I think once Godos comes into the team, he could be superb. And as long as Ivan Tony keeps putting away chances then Brentford have always got a supply of goals there, haven't they? And getting Janssen back into the team is always going to be important, isn't it? I think the other side, for me, would probably be Bournemouth, um, just because they're performing slightly better than Watford on the XG scale. And once they've got a fully fit David Brooks going in their side, he could be sensational at this level. And the rest of their side as well looks very handy at championship level. Jason Tindall's come in, it's taken over from Eddie Howe and has just carried on doing what Eddie Howe was doing for the past few seasons. Obviously, they got relegated last season, but he's continued that philosophy of playing nice, uh, attractive, attacking football and giving the players the freedom to express themselves. And I think that is important compared to the likes of a Watford, for example, who seem 
like their manager Vladimir Ivic is really trying to keep them organised um, and maybe not having as much freedom, which is what a play, what a team like Watford could really do with when they've got so much quality in their side. They want the players to go out there and express themselves and show their quality. So listen, I'm going to also put you on the spot here. We've got a little bit of a joke going on in the Brentford camp, in the Besotted camp. We believe that Ivan Tony is going to get 46 goals this season because he was he was he was 10 and 10 the other day and after he didn't score the other day so it's 10 and 11 now but we still believe he's going to get 46 goals in 46 games he's obviously battling with Armstrong out there who's obviously going hell for leather as well to try and get that who do you think's going to be the top scorer this season and how many goals I think Ivan Tony and I'm not saying that just because I'm on a Brentford podcast and um, I, I thought earlier on in the season there's there was nothing from how he was playing at Peterborough last season, there was nothing to indicate that he wasn't going to continue his sterling form. And the guy's just a born goal scorer, isn't he? He loves having chances put on the plate for him and just tucking them away. He he is class. And I said earlier on in the season that I reckon he could break some goal scoring records this season. And the way he's going, not sure he'll get 46 goals, but I think he could definitely... Um, get the most goals ever in a championship season. I think that was Glenn Murray. I think he got 30 for Brighton or maybe Palace um, about five or six years ago. Um, So could he get over 30? Definitely. He definitely could. Because one thing that Brentford have never really struggled with is creating chances. It's all just about putting them away. Um, I think he'll definitely be top scorer this season. The thing from a Brentford perspective is who's going to help him out and put away those chances. So listen, and also just going to put you on the spot here because you've been watching the championship. You know all the players out there. You know what's going on. Who do you think is going to be your player of the season? I know it's really early on, but it's like somebody who oozes who you sort of think, ah, that is such a player who makes me feel so happy when I see him play. Oh, there's plenty of players who make me happy. I think Ivan Tony. I don't want to keep saying it, but I think the way that he's scoring goals this season, it's hard to say that he won't be player of the season if he does get over 30 goals. Because, as I say, only one player's managed to do that before. If he keeps scoring goals at the rate that he's doing it, then it's hard to see anyone else getting player of the season. Another than Ivan? Strong to give you the boring answer. <laughs> it would be the other shout, wouldn't it? Because both <laughs> players have just started the season so well. Um, not many uh, players have managed... Well, the, I think the only other player who managed to have such a good start in terms of goal scoring was Charlie Austin back when he was playing for Burnley uh, around 10 years ago now, um, which says something about how hard it is to maintain the form that these two have started with this season. Um, But they're both creating loads of chances. It's all about just creating it. If you want me to name someone who's not a striker, um, then off the top of my head, I suppose someone like David Brooks, who, as I mentioned, if he gets going in the championship, it's hard to see. Um, him not grabbing the headlines when he's got as much quality as he has. Ryan, it's brilliant talking to you. Really, really good insight. We'll probably check back in with you maybe in the international break in March to see how these uh, predictions went. You know what I'm saying? We'll probably get Reading at the top of the league. We'll probably get Luton in second place and we'll probably get Borough in the relegation zone at that time, but you you (laughs) never know. So anyway, great chatting to you, Ryan, and I'll catch up with you soon. No worries, mate. See you later. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.